You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. They steal the puck. Pedersen in front for Miller. Back to Pedersen. He scores. Oh, my goodness. What a goal. That's what I like with this team. They're a little bit resilient. We just want to keep climbing up the mountain. It's a long season. we got 40 games left. This is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees. Shame for the league to allow this. It's a complete crack. Oh, God. Choking on my own legs here. Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Alfred. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 6.50. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason just heard the Darko Ryakovic rant for the first time. <laughs> oh, it was a complete crap. Uh, shame. Great shame. They say the same thing about our show. Good morning, Michael. Uh, good morning, Jason. A dog. Good morning to you. Good morning, uh, Laddie. Good morning to you. Hello, hello. Intern Sonia. Good morning to you as well. Good morning. Good morning. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. He really has heard the Darko Ryakovic rant for the first time. Is it, is it a complete crap? Heard it over in my head while Halford was reading that. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech, not complete crap. Good. Big show ahead for the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 6.30, Jeff Merrick is going to join us, host of the 32 Thoughts podcast, host of the Jeff Merrick Show. And he's coming to Vancouver in just over a week's time, Victoria, actually, if we're being geographically accurate. Uh, Jeff Merrick's going to join us at 6.30. There's a lot to get into from around the National Hockey League, including the first and second place teams in the entire NHL, which, of course, as everybody expected, are Winnipeg and Vancouver. (laughs) Just like everybody thought. Uh, Jeff Merrick at 6.30 will join us on the show. 7 o'clock, Jordan Hall, NBC Sports Philadelphia. He is their Flyers beat writer. We'll ask him more about this Cutter Goche situation. Now that the story's about 36 hours old and everyone's sunk their teeth into it, including Jordan, we'll mm. ask if he's figured out what went wrong exactly. How did they get to this point between Cutter Goche and you know, the Flyers? I know Fridge has, has reported a lot about... Um, the negotiations or the talks to sign Cutter Gauthier and how maybe something had to do with them not wanting to sign him at a specific time because of like bonus overages. And I'm like, it's got to be more than that. Mm-hmm. It's got to be more than just like the negotiation for your first contract. I think what everyone's lo- what everyone's looking if for it is, is if, the- it, if it is, it was like it was like a shocking breakdown in communication. Uh, what everyone's looking for is that one flashpoint, like yeah, know, disrespected or someone said something bad about his mom or dad yeah, or something. Like Danny Briere and called him Carter instead of Cutter or something. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if that would le- rise to the level of I'm never playing for the Flyers, but I get your point. 
But what? But would a would a would a mere contract negotiation for your first contract? I'll tell you what. We'll ask Jordan Hall at seven okay. o'clock because he's going to join us from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, Eight o'clock. We have a big announcement on the show. That's right. Halford and Bruff, breaking news. At 8 o'clock, we are going to announce the winner of this year's JCC Sports Dinner Jack Diamond Award winner for Sports Personality of the Year. Jason Tackerman from the JCC is going to join us live at 8 to announce the winner. Then... The winner is going to join us live on the Halford and Bruff show shortly after the announcement. That's at 8 o'clock. Also, at the end of the show. Is he or she just going to be like getting out of bed? I don't know. One day win. You know what? I'm not revealing anything. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about the winner other than the winner is going to be announced live on the air. Halford and Bruff, 8 o'clock. Also, live on the Halford and Bruff show today, we are going to give away another pair of tickets to see the 32 shot thoughts. 32 shots. That's a dead. You do that afterwards. With me, uh, Fridge and, Man, and Marin. The Islanders would love to get 32 shots. How many did they finish with yesterday? Like four. Oh, okay. No, Good 20, night for days. 20, but four in the third. Uh, 32 thoughts, not shots, but thoughts, live show tickets. The show, Thursday, January 18th at Wicket Hall in Victoria. Now, here's the key. We'll give you the tickets, but you have to promise to be able to make the show. It's on a Thursday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. In Victoria. So I bet that whittles down a lot of the contest entrants, the available people that can do it, the eligible contestants. But anyway, if you want to win the tickets, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Text in on what we learned. Put a ticket emoji into the text. You'll be entered into the grand prize draw to see Frege and Merrick and the 32 Thoughts live show yeah. in Victoria. I was actually thinking that 2 o'clock show could be tough in Victoria because that's almost tea time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It runs up against Donnie and Dolly, I think. And then yeah. Judge Joe Brown. Tea time at the Empress. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah that's high. Have you ever done high tea at the Empress? No. My mom took my brother and I to us as kids. Yeah. How was it? Not great. Really? Not for kids. It's not. Oh, it's not. It's like, not meant for like. I was like a well, What about when they bring by the big like, uh, like uh, they're not candies, but it's a big tray with all the sweets. Yeah. It's they're they're old school English. Tell me yeah. more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so what that's what right? it's like. Here's a month old Turkish delight. I hope you enjoy it. Right. It, okay. It's not great. Right. Like, just trust me on this one. If you have kids. You and your brother were like, can we smoke here? Yeah. I was only 11. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, smoke here or what? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, working in reverse on the guest list. Eight o'clock, we're going to announce the JCC Jack Diamond Award winner. Seven o'clock, Jordan Hall for NBC Sports Philadelphia. 6.30, Jeff Merrick, who will be here uh, on Jan 18th for the 32 Thoughts Live Show. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. The Vancouver Canucks won their third Third consecutive game, they swept through the New York, New Jersey metro area. A 5-2 victory over the New York Islanders on Tuesday night at UBS Arena. This is the brightest and most optimistic time to be a Canucks fan in over a decade. Yes, I'm including the bubble in this. I realize that was actually the playoffs and the Canucks managed to win a few series, but that was also a really weird time. And... I don't think a lot of the teams even wanted to be there. Um, I'm not going to relitigate the bubble, 
but it's hard to conclude anything other than the Canucks being a very good team after these past three games, and especially when you add it to the way they started the season. They are getting better and seemingly more confident, and the reunification, if you want to call it that, of the lotto line has given them seemingly another gear. Think about it. The Canucks just had to play three games in four days against some pretty good teams. All they, in playoff positions. They dominated the Devils, and, and you know we did say, because it was accurate to say, listen, this wasn't the typical Devils team. They were missing a, a lot of good players, including Jack Hughes. Well, what did they do next? They went into Madison Square Garden, the most famous arena in the world, and they scored a handful of highlight goals against a New York Rangers team, which is way up in the standings. Then the very next day, with no rest, they dominated the Islanders. And I mean dominated them. Mm -hmm. That was a clinical win over the Isles. And the Isles were essentially left with nothing at the end. The Rangers had a push. The Islanders had no push. And the Canucks looked like the type of team that just gets a lead, takes care of business, is very comfortable in its own system, knows what it can do, knows what it can't do. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a team in the NHL that's had a three-game stretch like the Canucks just did this season. How well did they play at 5-on-5 five five last night? And this is big, and we'll get into this later. Well, they actually lost the special team. Yeah. They didn't score on the power play which might be the biggest concern right now. And they surrendered a power play goal on the PK. So actually, special teams aren't even going particularly well. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people were like, why are you being negative about that? Why are you being negative about that? In a way, it's a positive because I think the power play will come along at some point. Mm -hmm. And the big doubt that everyone had about this team was can they control the game at five on five? And they're starting to control these games at five on five. New Jersey, they controlled. The Islanders, they controlled. The Rangers, I mean, it's tough, you know, to control three games in a row on the road, especially against a good team like the Rangers. But it was almost like break even against the Rangers. The Rangers analytically probably had um, the numbers on that night, but the Canucks also had a lead. Mm-hmm. For most of that game. Last night, Noah Dobson, the Islanders' best defenseman. Is that generally everyone thinks that Noah Dobson is probably the yes. Islanders' best yes. defenseman? He, he, was a, best he was a minus three. Yeah. And I know people are getting tired, which is weird, uh, tired of my positivity or maybe tired of hearing my absolute amazement mm-hmm. at how this season has played out. But I think fans need to understand how rare this is, how rare this turnaround is. Teams can improve. Teams are allowed to improve. Teams improve all the time. But to this degree, the Canucks finished with 83 points last season. I realize the season is over only halfway, but they are on pace for 114 points. We haven't seen many turnarounds like this. Like people remember them. The Penguins had a turnaround um, when Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin first joined that team. Mm -hmm. The Avs had a turnaround like this. The Devils actually probably are 
the most recent and maybe most comparable turnaround because those Penguins and Colorado teams that I talked about, they went from being like dreadful. Yep. Like, you know, they were 40 points in a season to, you know, mildly respectable with, I don't know, 90 points or something like that. The uh, Devils, I think, went from like in the 60s to over 100 points, and that was just re- just last season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not without precedent, I suppose, but it is still incredibly rare and to watch the Canucks dominate that Islanders team last night, and I was listening to the post-game show, and the word remarkable just kept on coming up, and, you know, I don't have a super deep vocabulary, so I'm going to go with remarkable, too. This whole thing is remarkable. It's pretty crazy, and it, sometimes I feel I feel bad for our listeners when we come in and we don't have anything more to say or anything more intriguing to add. I always feel it. bad for our listeners. Well, yeah, you yeah. get the best and worst of times. I feel bad for them. Like they're being forced to listen to this. Uh, really remarkable synonyms in case you want to keep going along. Yes, please. Ex- extraordinary, exceptional, amazing, astonishing, astounding, marvelous, wonderful, sensational, stunning, incredible, unbelievable, and miraculous. But the thing Lots is, of choices. and thank you for that. You're Mr. welcome, Mr. Thesaurus. Yeah. But I, here's the thing: um, when you're experiencing something that hasn't happened before. It does take a couple of moments to almost step back and say, what exactly are we witnessing here? Are we, what is going on? Are we cognizant of how unique and rare this is? Because the one of the things that we've said over the last 10 years is it was the warm, comforting, cold, soul sucking blanket of losing. It was the repetitiveness (laughs) of it. And we knew exactly how it was going to feel because we had gone through it in previous years. Remember, Mm -hmm. it's it's time for another death march. That was a song that we wrote and sung on this show. And you think about it now, and it's like, well, there's no comps. There's no real past experience to draw on. Like, how are we supposed to deal with success? How are we supposed to deal with this type of it? Because the last time that this franchise... <laughs> or are, we, are we getting fooled here? Are we getting fooled here? There's still that element, right? Yeah, there is, 100%. And I, I also kind of hate leaning on that sometimes, too, because sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, when, it, when the team will inevitably bobble... Make no mistake, there will be a wobble at some point this season. No, but maybe not, because remember uh, at the season opening presser, when I showed up and, of course, get the get the key quote in it. And it's a big question. I'm, I'm big amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jim Rutherford said, and I think this took a lot of people by surprise when he said this, he said, if everything goes right, yeah, I think we're a playoff team. Yeah. They well, And that's the thing. Everything's gone right, and they've even exceeded... Um, I would suggest his expectations because they're much more than a playoff team right now. Yeah, I don't know how you can look at this team as a neutral observer. Let's take either your Canuck fandom or your Canuck hatred out of it, whatever way you're leaning. There's no way you can look at this team as currently constructed and say they are just a marginal playoff team. They're second in the National Hockey League. They just, again, this road trip, and there was we clipped it yesterday of me saying, I thought through two games, on this New York, New Jersey swing, that it was going to be a definitive point in the season. Forget that. If you're gonna if you're gonna look back on where the trajectory of this team really happened during the 2023-2024 season, you may say it was when they came off the loss to St. Louis, mm-hmm. Talkett put the lotto line back together, and then they absolutely exploded with three very comprehensive and very dominant victories, three and four nights against the Rangers. The Devils and the Islanders, all of whom are playoff teams. Yeah. That is a very tall order. Like, how many other NHL teams are going to do that this season? Are going to run the gamut like the Canucks just did? 
Right? The Canucks had no business doing what they did against the Islanders. The Islanders because, was the one that caught me the most. Because I'm honestly, not gonna lie. no NHL team has like they, they they shouldn't. That should not happen. The second game of a back to back when you're playing three games in four nights should be one of those scheduled losses. Now, the advantages the Canucks could had in that is that. They didn't have to get on a plane after the Rangers game, so I mean the Islanders hadn't played the since Islanders, Saturday. Yeah, but the Islanders, you know, the Islanders had had been in pretty good form, at least winning a few games here and there. Um, and the one thing that the one thing that impressed me the most is it kept getting worse for the Islanders. Like they had no it kept getting better for the Canucks. It, they had no they had no pushback. Can they, I? Also- they, had, they, had, they had nothing in the third period. And I was I was laughing because uh, I was listening to Rand Deep on the post game show, and he had in his notes section he keeps notes during him like a real professional. Ooh. In the third period, he was like his note was boring. Yeah, just <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and that is an amazing thing to say about um, a game when you are the road team, and again, theoretically, should be tired. Yep, and you're leading the game. And you make it boring. That is a well-coached team. Mm-hmm. That is a team that knows its system, and that is the team we've been waiting for in Vancouver for a long, long time. You can make the argument they were playing with their food last night. They started their backup goalie. They gave Ian Cole a night off just for rest, right? I mean, we—I listened to the talk at audio this morning as we were running through some of the clips from yesterday, and talk. It just basically—he's like, "Yeah, I just had to convince him to not play last night because we're thinking long term here." Like, when has that been an option for this organization? Right? Again, the other thing when you said Randeep was talking about the third period being boring, the Canucks are now twenty-four zero and zero when leading going into the third and, period. And, they've and, they've led twenty-four times going into the third period. They've won all twenty-four of this game, those games, and that's harder to do. In today's NHL, there's comebacks all the time. Um, and I know well, I'm going to get my 2011 reference out of the way uh, early okay. in the show. That was a staple of the Canucks in 2011. That if they went into the third period with a lead, they were going to win that game. You lock it down. They would. They knew how to lock down a game. And the Canucks haven't been perfect. Let's be honest. Uh, even well, I guess they have been perfect <laughs> in terms of the results. But you know, there have been moments where they've had. Some breakdowns, the end of the New Jersey game, like that shouldn't have been as close, but New Jersey had a push and the other team is allowed to play. Mm. You know, the other team's allowed to have good moments too. Not many against the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, I want to read this text from Mark in White Rock. Going back to when Tockett was hired last year, the team is 47-23-7 under him. That's almost a full season of games. It's time to realize this ain't no fluke. The Canucks were already a good team, just playing very badly, needing leadership. Okay, I'm going to disagree with that last part. The Canucks were already a good team. No, they weren't, because what they're doing right now is the hard part. Canucks, Committing, had, good, Canucks had good players. They're a bad team. They also didn't have the depth that they have No, but they had good season. players. They, they still, had a good core. Yeah. They had a good core, but they didn't know how to play as a team. And that is maybe one, maybe the hardest thing, right? You get all this t- talent together, but who are you? What is your identity? And that is what Rick Tockett has started to forge or already forged in Vancouver. And he's put guys like Quinn Hughes in place to help him carry out those orders and he is being very hard some people say too hard but i vehemently disagree on players like andre kuzmenko that Mm -hmm. if you are not on board 
then you're not going to play you're some nights. Get healthy scratched five. Well, times. last night's and win shows how important it is to play that system that Kuzmenko sometimes struggles with, right? Like you got to be able to lock it down in the third and win a game. I mean, everyone should know this though. This but some guys every, don't play every, that. Everyone, way, right? But like, everyone should know how important it is to play as a team yeah. and play as a system. Hockey is not the most complicated a game in the world, but there are things that you absolutely have to do, and that's what Rick Tockett calls his staples. And it is one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And That's I, fair to say. I, 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 I didn't know what to expect from Rick Tockett. I, I thought the same thing in some ways that other people – had said, you know, like, well, what did you do in Tampa Bay? What did you do in Arizona? Oh, yeah, in the back lot, of my mind, there I There are a lot of questions. Yeah, in sure. the back of my mind, I, I was like, well, you know, like, to be fair to Rick, he didn't have all that much talent on those teams. He has way more talent on, on the Vancouver Canucks to deal with. But, you know, you still got to go in and you still got to do the day-to-day work. This doesn't come with speeches. It doesn't come with, like, one big moment. It's the day-to-day work. And that's what the Canucks are going to have to keep doing. Now he's a Jack Adams favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it insane. Is, it is awesome. It's awesome. And uh, I'm proud of them. But, you know, they they just – they and and the other thing that I that I like about them is, like, the expectations have been raised. They were so low. They were so low. Ulevi would make a breakout pass and we'd all give him, you know, a standing ovation. Nikolai Goldobin would actually attempt to win a puck battle, even if he didn't win it. You know, we gave him a standing ovation. Ulevi outlet pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what salute, I'm talking about. It's like, wow, he hit an open man. January, Great, right? January like, 10th used to be. I the hated end. it. I hate, I hated that attitude. And now the expectations are raised again. And, you know, every time I think Quinn Hughes had a had a had a good quote, it was either on the athletic or, or to iMac and Sportsnet or maybe in both the out, uh, outlets. It was just um, it was like, you know, I think you guys probably think I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, like r- having all sorts of fun um, this season. And he's like, you know, my stress is keeping this going and yeah. my stress is making sure as the leader of this team, that we keep doing this. We keep playing the same way because the key is to make your habits a daily thing. That's why they call them habits. It's not like once in a while when we do this, we play well. No, this, you know how they say like, it's like your habits make you who you are. Mm -hmm. What you do is is who you are. Who, Who you are is not what you hope to be or who you think you are. Who you are is what you do. Yeah. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. How about we turn our attention back to the local hockey squadron, Jason, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, another impressive victory last night for those of you that may have missed it, although I can't imagine that you did. Uh, they finally took care of all three teams in the New York, New Jersey metro area on a single trip, a 5-2 victory over the New York Islanders at UBS Arena. That comes on the heels of wins over the Rangers and the Devils. So if you add it all up, the Canucks go three games in four days in that New York, New Jersey area, and they take care of not just all three teams, but all three teams that are playing good hockey, all three of them in playoff positioning at the time of playing the Canucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at that Islanders team last night, and to me, in a very weird way, because I think that they're the worst of the three teams that we mentioned, that might have been the most difficult game for the Canucks because they were coming off a back-to-back, they were going up an Islanders team that was fairly well-rested. They came home from a road trip and hadn't played since Saturday when they lost to Vegas. 
The Canucks were without Thatcher Demko, who was terrific in Madison Square Garden on Monday night. The Canucks were without Ian Cole, who got a, a maintenance day, basically. And God bless this season that we are at the stage where the Canucks can start giving guys nights off for maintenance days on January 10th. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable. And it still looks seamless out there. And it was comprehensive, the victory. Mm-hmm. Sat and Bick were talking about it on the post-game show last night about clean hockey and the way... You talk about dramatic turnarounds from last year to this year, and we look at the win column, and there's a dramatic turnaround there, and that the Canucks actually mm-hmm. have wins where they didn't last year. The point totals, it's a huge gap between where they were last year to this year. But stylistically, that might be the biggest turnaround. It's respectable hockey. It's winning hockey. But they were so non-respected last year. It was a joke at times. Yeah. The w- it wasn't just the way that, the, or it wasn't just the losses. It was the way that they were losing. Well, even some of their wins. Some of their wins were, right. you know, that, Seven, that five, crazy four, game yeah. they played against the Habs, and people were like, wasn't that entertaining? I was like, you know, I can I can watch beer league if I want to watch this, like, crazy, you know, turnaround and scoring and nobody playing defense and, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I can watch, you know, if I want to watch good players play beer league. I, I, that's why I don't like the all-star game. Yeah. Because there's, like, no structure. There's no intensity. It doesn't seem particularly hard to score. Mm-hmm. You should celebrate goals when you score them. It should be hard to score, and it should be hard to score against you. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of talk right now about how this is all a byproduct of buying in. And this is about Rick Tockett delivering a message to his guys and making them understand that if you do these things and the staples and the tenets and the non-negotiables, success will come. Well, the success has come. And then yesterday, Tockett had an interesting answer talking about the definition of a team guy. Now, this kind of came off of the conversation about Ian Cole because there was nothing particularly wrong with Ian Cole yesterday. Taki just understood that as a veteran guy who plays a lot of hard minutes and eats a lot of pucks and does all those things, they almost had to convince him, like, hey, let's take a night off. Like, let's think about the big picture of the long term. Mm-hmm. You know, you could use a rest here. It's been a tough grind. We're in the second of a back-to-back. You're on the wrong side of 30. He's like a team dad. Ian yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, dads need a break. They get tired, right? They just want to sit in the bar. Put your slippers on and watch the game. Right? Read the newspaper, Ian, during the game. You could actually hear him snoring during the game. <laughs> Loudly, bits of popcorn all over his shirt. Anyway, uh, here's Tockett. Why is the TV up so loud? Here's Tockett, not just on Ian Cole, but the definition of being a team guy. Since I've got here, I, I always pre- preach the team. You know, it's no different like a coach when there's an empty net. You know, there's eight guys looking, they want to get on. You know, and my thing is, hey, whoever gets on, and I get it, some people want to get on, and we'll. we'll we can talk about it later, but in the moment, be happy for your teammate. So I think that's the key of a good team guy is, you know, being in the moment, happy for a guy. And then you have the tough conversations with the coach later. Hey, man, you know, why am I not out there or, you know, how come I'm not playing? But that's for a different time. And I think that's what this team's really good at and stay in the moment. And that's what being a team guy is. Can we just, again, take a moment to appreciate how good the vibes are? knowing that they could change at a moment's notice. I mean, the conversation, we weren't far away from conversations about how uh, there was a lack of this harmony and togetherness and camaraderie, and there weren't team guys. There were guys not inviting other guys to the Halloween party and crap like that. Those were conversations that were going on, and it was very disheartening. (laughs) Very disheartening because you got the sense that regardless of the individual talent of the players, They were never going to be pulling the rope in the same direction or playing for one another. Mm -hmm. And now you've got the coach coming out and saying, 
there's buy-in across the board. Like, and with little things that you think don't matter but kind of do. Who's out for an empty netter? Who's getting extra ice time? Who's getting the flowers? Who's getting the plaudits and all that? Those things can rip teams apart, like 100%. It's mm-hmm. happened before. Sure. Pettiness does come into play when you're talking about highly paid, highly compensated, and highly motivated, and um, guys that are very competitive. And when right? you add losing to the equation, it becomes more of, I'm going to look out for myself here. Yeah. And what did they do? I mean, I'm going to say this. They made their best player their captain. Right? I mean, that was... <laughs> I, I'm not trying to throw shade at Horvat or anything, but you can just kind of see the difference where there's a clarity in everything that they do. Mm. The way that they play the game is straightforward. The way that they buy in is very straightforward. It's all about the team. It's what's about on the front of the jersey and not on the back. And then when it comes to leadership, there was, you know, Hughes might not be the most outwardly vocal or inspirational guy in terms of what we see, but it's really understood that of all the great players that they have, and God, this team might have five all-stars, like the way that Canucks fans are stuffing the ballot box right now. The but they're not stuffing box. the ballot box. I mean, well, they might well, they be are. a little bit, but the, all, all the guys, but all that guys that could potentially go to the all-star game in Toronto, by the way, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, Hughes is already going there. Um, Pedersen deserves to go. Mm-hmm. JT Miller deserves to go. Brock Besser deserves to go. And Thatcher Demko deserves to go. Right. All I was trying to say was that Hughes is the best player. Like, of a yeah, team yeah, that yeah. has a lot of really great so players right now, mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes is the best player. And, I mean, everything about him right now. Like, the one thing, if you were to, to nitpick parts of his game from previous years, one of them was like, well, he's a great offensive player, but he doesn't score a ton of goals for a defenseman. He's got 11 goals this year. He's one behind Rasmus Dahlin for the lead among NHL defensemen in goals. And this is a guy that, you know, historically throughout his short but very decorated NHL career was more of a setup guy. The goal totals weren't high, but it wasn't because we didn't think he could do it. He just didn't. He was a pass-first guy. And now he's scoring. He's, he's going to be a 20-goal guy this year probably. Uh, I got a text I want to read because I've actually wondered about this. Uh, you bring in studs like Tockett, Foot, Gonchar. Players respect and listen Imagine a one-on-one chat with a coach as accomplished as Tockett. Picture young players YouTubing him foot gonchar. What an awesome effect. Yeah. And also you're scared that if you don't forecheck, they might beat you up based on some of the Actually, old YouTubes of foot and, uh, foot and uh, Tockett, especially Tockett. I, so I was thinking, we highly recommend you play these systems <laughs> I was, for your yeah. own health and safety. They do look like a couple hired goons <laughs> yeah, on the bench yeah. because foot and gonchar are always standing next to each other. Mm-hmm. And you're like... Uh, what social club are you guys yeah. guarding right now? It's in your best interest to try that again. <laughs> um, th- no, you know what? I was thinking about that as well. The trio. I mean, I'll, I'll remove Yo from the equation, but those three, there can't be a current NHL bench. Like, So I'm talking head coach and two assistants, the mm. sort of standard one, with that decorated uh, an NHL resume collectively. Yeah. There's no way. There's no chance. Uh, Foot, Gonchar, talk it. There's not there can't there cannot be a bench that has that Who's on Brindamore's bench. It doesn't even matter. Right. They just can't. Okay. There's there's no way, right? No mm. one no one has that those kind of credentials. Certainly not intimidating. No, not but, and the versatility of it too, right? Like they've got the defensive defenseman in foot and the offensive defenseman in Gonchar. And then you had Tockett, who brought the best of both worlds. He was a physical guy, but he also could pop goals. Would this be an unprofessional question to ask of Rick Tockett? Probably, since you started it with that. Do you think you could beat up everyone on your team? 
Um, yeah, one highly, <laughs> highly unprofessional, but two, probably the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to start, yeah, who's the toughest guy in the Canucks right now? We still haven't answered that question. I told you about um, me. Um, sending some videos to my hockey team. And it's not like a bunch of like 19 year olds that I play with, but they didn't know Rick Tockett. And one of them asked in our WhatsApp chat, like, was Rick Tockett tough when he played in the NHL? Oh my God. And I sent him a video of like him fighting Bob Probert and headbutting Bob Probert and just like the wars that Rick Tockett has been through. And all he's asking you to do is forecheck and win some battles, right? You know, like it doesn't seem like too much to do when a guy like Rick Tockett asks you that. But Rod Brindamore's assistants are Jeff Daniels and Tim Gleason. So no. Right. Although yeah. Gleason was a he's tough a piece of business when he played. Yeah, but no, it doesn't even Jeff come Daniels from Dumb and Dumber fan. Yeah, Jeff Daniels from Den- Dumb and Dumber. He's yeah. on their bench, is he? Yeah. yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's actually very pretty good. Most nights, a they, lot of plays. They have the most comedic coaching staff in yeah. the entire NHL. <laughs> On a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Uh, hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec. Okay, uh, big final hour of the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, in short order here, we're going to announce the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award for Sports Media Personality of the Year. Sports Personality of the Year, sorry. Uh, that's going to be ha- handed out February 28th at the annual RBC JCC Sports Dinner. Now, uh, you all everybody knows this event. It's one of the signature events on the Vancouver Sporting Calendar. Uh, there's always the grand keynote speaker that comes in. Past speakers have included Shaquille O'Neal, Drew Brees, uh, Alex Rodriguez, Rob Gronkowski. This year, it's John who's actually a return visitor to Vancouver, having been here for the Laver Cup. And he was on our show a couple times as well, which was very cool. A-Dog's like, no. Yeah. Remember him? <laughs> the golf guy, right? Yeah, that's oh, the one. Okay. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go to the phone lines now, and we're going to be joined by Jason Tackifman from the JCC to talk about this event and then to announce the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award. Uh, good morning, Jason. How are you? Good morning. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. So before we get to the announcement of the winner of this year's Jack Diamond, let's talk about the event. I kind of alluded to it. There's always the signature, always a great keynote speaker, and this year is no different. Uh, I imagine things may get pretty animated when you have them. Talk about uh, John McEnroe coming to town for the annual RBC JCC Sports Dinner. Yeah, we hope it gets animated, actually. We've had, like you said, great speakers like Shaq, Barkley, Montana, Rice, Really, this event has become one of the key sports fundraisers in the province. On top of having a great speaker, we have incredible sports memorabilia, amazing live auctions, silent auctions, incredible networking. It's really sort of the place to be for the downtown core and for the sports fans as well. 
Now, uh, the other key part of the evening is handing out the Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year Award. So this goes to an individual who has, quote-unquote, consistently demonstrated a competitive and cooperative spirit who has excelled in the field of sport and who has made a positive contribution to our community. Now, this year's winner, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but we have the individual on hold on the line as well, listening live. So, Jason, I will cede the airwaves to you. Can you, you let our listeners know who is the winner of the 2024 Jack diamond award absolutely on top of it being a great place for sports fans and a speaker really the crown jewel of the event is the jack diamond award we give it out to someone who really helps our community on and off the field someone who not only has won but someone who tries to make our community a better place past winners last year was megan acosta true winners like charmaine crooks noah Cantor, steve nash rick hansen maury keith and this year to go along with those incredible names, we have two-time Grey Cup champion, coach, author, speaker, BC Lions legend, the honoree of the Jack Diamond Award for the 31st annual RBC JCC Sports Center is BC Lions legend, Angus Reed. Well-deserved. That's a great Very well done. Yeah. And we actually have Angus on the line right now, so we'll bring him into the conversation. Uh, Angus, first off, congrats. And Jason, you're Congrats as well. Uh, very prestigious award and very well deserved. Thank you. Uh, I, we I couldn't I, be more I, I, proud I, to honor you, Angus. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done in the community, and thank you for everything uh, that you represent for the Jack Diamond Award. Oh, thank you, Jason, and, and, and thank you, guys. Uh, this, you know, when I first heard this, it was presented to me. I, I I'm still really trying to uh, come to terms with this being real. Uh, that's how kind of overwhelmed I am and, and, and humbled I am because, uh, you know, growing up in this city and going to this event many times, I, I, I do understand uh, how big of an event this is and how prestigious of, of, of an award this is. And, and for me, um, it's, it's beyond humbling. And I just am, I'm still really, really, really blown away here. Okay, so Angus, stick around for a sec because we do want to speak with you. Jason, uh, we'll bid you farewell. Thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. And enjoy everything on the 28th for the JCC Sports Dinner. Thank you so much for everything you and 650 and Roger do for us. And we'll see you on the 28th. Thank you. We appreciate it. Okay, Angus, once again, congrats on the award. So a little bit more about learning that you're going to get this one. Uh, Walk us through the reaction and feelings upon learning that you were officially the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Sports Personality of the Year. Well, uh, it was a few a few weeks ago, just before Christmas, uh, it was requested to have a, a meeting with the board. And I remember my initial reaction. I told my wife I, I was really worried about this meeting because I, I convinced myself that I was going to decline because my assumption and my certainty was that they were going to ask me if I would MC the event. And that, that was, <laughs> I was 100% sure that that was the ask. And I usually say yes to everything, but again, the magnitude of the event, I'm like, I think this is beyond my abilities. I'm going to have to say no to emceeing this. And I was really prepared to have to say, I I don't think, I think this is beyond what I can do here. And I think my wife was was savvier, smarter, or or saw clearer than I did. And and she was in the other room as as I was, you know, on on the Zoom meeting. And when they told me this, I rarely am I lost for words. And I really, really couldn't have been more blindsided because I, I was convinced I was probably going to be asked to MC, And so this caught me so off guard. Uh, as I said, I'm still, still trying to sort of wrap my head around this being real. Um, 
you were cut by the Toronto Argonauts at your first training camp, picked up by the Alouettes, spent most of it, I think, on the practice roster. Then you were traded to the BC Lions near the end of your rookie season. And I'm reading an old quote of yours in, in the Vancouver Sun. And you said, I figured, okay, I'm terrible. I was pretty much a journeyman at the end of my first year. I thought I better go look in the want ads for another I'm not going to be a football player. How does it feel to reflect on that first year in the CFL and that memory of, oh, my God, I might have to get a real job here, uh, to what you ended up accomplishing in the CFL to the point that you're getting awarded with things like this? Yeah, it's it's really hard to, when you look back all these years and, and look at what was, you know, what I was able to achieve, obviously, through countless help from so many people, but you know, you forget sometimes those moments of despair and you forget those moments where uh, everything looks like it had fallen apart. And, and it's just a reminder, uh, you know, my career is really just a testament of being stubborn enough to just keep going. Uh, even in these moments where you're going, I don't think it's going to work. And, and you get up tomorrow and you just bring your best again. And you just keep moving forward and try to do your best with every, every opportunity you have. And, and, you know, for me, it worked out. And I think for everybody, it works out. It just, might not always be exactly what you thought, but, you know, I'll throw a little stat. You guys are, are, are more sports junkies than I am, but I might be the only professional athlete in the history of all team sports to be a number one draft pick cut in training camp. <laughs> I was Argo's number one pick, and they cut me before camp even ended. So, you know, you, you know when you talk about um, highs and lows and the roller coasters of life, particularly as an athlete, uh, I experienced a lot of those in short periods of time, and yeah, I just, um, I stuck with it. I, I had people that believed in me. My family was always there. Uh, and, and I just kept bringing everything I had. And uh, when opportunities existed, I took them. And, and eventually it worked out pretty well. Uh, how many players became a CFL All-Star for the first time at 35 years old? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it was, it, you know, there's another wrinkle in that stat too, because I was an All-Canadian in my, in my 11th year. I was a Western All-Star in 04 and then a Western All-Star again in 2011. So there's an eight-year gap between initial All-Stars. Like, my, you know, you look back at the, the, the data points, and they're all over the map in terms of my career. Uh, you know, at one point, I think I, I started 150 games for the Lions. And then when I broke my foot, uh, Wally basically told me my career was over. And, 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 you know, I had to sit most of the 2010 season. I was told I'd retire at the end. And then, then I get re-signed after that season and become the All-Canadian. So, again, um, you know, Things life will take you all different places. My goal was to always stay on the ride as long as I could, and, and just keep keep holding on tight and bring what you can because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And and I had a lot of opportunity to think it was over, and I showed up, and, and a lot more good things kept happening on the other side. We're speaking to BC Lions great Angus Reed here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. If you missed it, Angus has just been announced as the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award winner at the annual JCC dinner. Um, speaking of those BC Lions, Angus, uh, what have you thought about the direction that this franchise and this organization have taken recently uh, under the new owner, Mar Doman? I love it. I, I, you know, I, I really, really love it. Uh, I'm a fan first and center. I was a fan when I was a little kid here. Uh, I was, you know, my introduction to the Lions was kind of really young guy during the early 80s. So when the, when the, when the dome was packed and the Lions were winning, when it was a new novel thing and they were great. Uh, my teenage years were kind of through the 90s where things started looking bleak across the whole league. And I was really lucky through a chunk of my career uh, when Bobby Ackles came back and, and Wally was here and, and we won a lot that we sort of had that resurgence 
where, uh, you know, we hosted four straight Western finals and we had, we had a really busy, busy stadium and, and it was high energy. And then and there was a lull again. And you're always wondering with this team, and with this league, uh, will it make it through this lull? And, and to see the resurgence again, I think is really, really great for the sport, um, for the club and for this city to have a really, really fun uh, environment where the team is also winning. Uh, it, it's so it's really good to see. Well, Angus, we want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. We want to congratulate you again on the win, and we want to wish you the best of luck. Not having to MC the event, but actually just going up there and <laughs> you still put together a nice speech for when you accept well, the award. As so. an STM guy, was it hard to congratulate a, a Vancouver College guy? You notice I didn't, bring, a, it I didn't bring it up. As a McGee guy, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, Angus Reed. Okay, you know what? It's Angus. <laughs> I'll allow it. Uh, again, I wish you all the best uh, on the twenty eighth, and congrats again. This was great. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's uh, Angus Reed, former BC Lions uh, offensive lineman, BC Lions legend, and the winner of this year's Jack Diamond Award that will be handed out at the RBC JCC Sports Dinner Hyatt Regency, February 28th. A reminder, if you are looking for sponsorship opportunities, tickets, or table purchases, they're all available right now. Go to jccsportsdinner.com on the internet. It'd be funny if they also got Angus to MC it. And the winner is me. Yeah. Oh, how about that? Play the music. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, We still got a lot more we got to do on the show today. Uh, We're going to give away the 32 Thoughts tickets, but that's coming up in the humanoid version of What We Learns. We need to do our What We Learns first, Jason. And uh, I think I'm going to start for the second consecutive day. I'm doing a here's stuff about the NBA that we're not talking about enough that I have learned what we learned Uh, this time. What We Learns all about. So this is true, actually. Stuff we can't cover. We learn about it. Um, I do want to say that we may have a new entrant into the pantheon of great coach rants. Mm. I love a good coach rant. Not The player rants are good. Allen yeah. Iverson, we talking about practice. One of the best of all time. I'm 40. I'm a man. Coaching ones just hit different. And I don't know if it's because there's that sense of old man anger mm. that Playoffs? comes with it. Right? Everyone knows. I'm a man. I'm 40. Can't play with him. Can't win with him. Can't do it. I love them all. Can't do it. Denny Green. Mm -hmm. Great. Hal McRae. Busting that guy in the head with a telephone. (laughs) They are who we thought they were. There you go. They are who we thought they were. They're all great. Darko Ryakovic, head coach of the Toronto Raptors, entered the Pantheon last night. Late last night, I might add, because the Raptors were out west playing the Los Angeles Lakers in L.A. You know what happens when you get the Lakers in L.A., right? Calls tend to go for the Lakers and against you. And for the Toronto Raptors last night, and I actually watched this game live because it was on late, uh, it really played out in the fourth quarter. The free throw disparity in the fourth quarter of an eventual one-point loss by the Raptors to the Lakers last night. Hello, you play to win the game. 23 free throws for the Lakers in the fourth quarter. You know how many the Raptors got? Two. Two. Yeah. Darko, God bless him, sat down at the podium, and you could tell that he was not happy the moment he sat down without uttering a word. Then, and I believe it was Doug Smith from the Toronto Star, just asked a question about he started smartly with the the, the foul disparity. 
And then Darko took the bait and took it and ran with it. I don't think he blinked for three and a half minutes during this incredibly fiery rant. I just let the man speak for himself. Here's Darko Ryakovic on what happened last night in L.A. That's outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in, in the fourth quarter. Like, how to play the game. I, all, I understand uh, respect for all-stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what, what's happening over here during whole season, I've been holding it back, it's a complete crap. No, there is no explanation. They just, they just come up there. And they got 36 free throws, 23 free throws in, in the fourth quarter. What are we talking about? How are we going to supposed to play? It's happening a lot. But I'm telling our guys, be professional. Keep fighting. Keep going for the next one. But until when? For how long? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was so polite at the end, too. It's like, thank you. For Any other me. questions? Yeah. <laughs> I have a follow-up about the officiating. <laughs> it was great. Again, I almost feel like we're not doing it justice because the visual on it, is amazing. It's like, a complete crap. <laughs> and it was a complete crap. Let's be honest. The refereeing last night, a complete crap. So when you were watching this play out, was it something that you noticed? Was yep. it something that the broadcasters were picking up? Jack Armstrong was all over it. Were there examples of officiating yep. errors? Yeah, 100%. Because sometimes I bristle when, you know, for example, in a hockey game, when it's like, but they, they had seven power plays and we only had two. It's like, okay. yeah, because you took seven penalties and they only took two. But you know what this was? Was it was every close decision, because they also went to the replay monitor what felt like 30 times. Every decision went against the Raptors. Every single decision. Now, were they right or wrong? Well, it's hard to say because when you watch the replay, much like we saw in the Edmonton situation with Connor McDavid, there were so many replays and so much time taken that everyone got to see numerous looks at it, and everyone came to the same conclusion. This feels like a 50-50 call, and then the decision would go way against the Raptors. Like There was an incident with when quickly fouled out because he elbowed mm-hmm. um, Cam Reddish in the face, and not only so they went to the monitor, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to overturn the foul. Well, no, they upgraded the foul <laughs> to a flagrant. <laughs> and I'm like, this is unbelievable. It, that, that was a complete crap. That was crap. I yeah. feel shame. Yeah, NBA referees. It's a complete crap. Yeah, you have to say it, it wasn't complete crap. It was uh, a a complete, complete crap. crap. Not so uh, I hate partial crap. It was a <laughs> finished crap. Yeah, <laughs> we need to hockey that Done. for sure. Done. Anyway, good on Darko for saying something. He won the respect of a lot of people yesterday because he was borderline unhinged, but he kept it together and didn't swear, and people respected that. And he said thank you at the end, so he's very polite. <laughs> it's important when you're coaching in Canada. Moo cow, all that. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.